0: This is the 73rd episode of Stockholm Legacy Report, a podcast about Paper Legacy. My name is Victor Bernhardt. With me as always are my dear co-hosts, Robinson, c and Christopher Wikström. Warm welcome to you, dearest listener. Hello, hi. How do you do? Hello, everybody. and
1: Happy New Year. You know, New Year, new me, he said, and sleeved up a
0: learn once again. Stockholm Legacy Report can be found every time we release on the Top Tech app. This episode, we will start the new year with a more cozy discussion amongst ourselves about legacy and legacy adjacent matters, as well as some other things. We've all had a bit of a holiday and thought this an easy start for the year. We do hope that you will enjoy it, and not to worry, we will return to paper play and legacy art talk in our next episode. How does that sound for you guys? Sounds great. Yeah, I'm,
1: I'm just ready, you know, we might not all have a, a Pele like uh, Victor here, but I'm, I'm getting into the mental spirit of, you know,
0: kicking it back with a cold brewski. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm doing here in the control room. So we have a set of 10 questions that we've collectively prepared for each other about legacy and legacy adjacent things and some non-legacy things as well. We will kick it off with, uh, I think, questions that many can relate to this year. Which is your favorite room in the Undercity, Robin?
2: Well, I think that uh, the Lost Well is my favorite, if I remember correctly. Because that is like the path <laughs> that the initiative player would take when they have a little bit of a slower start, which means that you have a chance to catch catch up with them. So that's always a good sign. Uh, to see someone go to the undercity, uh, city, uh, to the Lost Well.
1: Is that like the chicken route? Maybe then, like uh, when you see them going for the forge, you're like, uh oh.
2: Yeah, that that's the scary route. The other way is preparing for the little bit longer game with a Scry and uh, a zombie and all of that.
1: Yeah, I I've actually here's confession time. I've actually dodged Initiative so far. I've never had a, had the effect or any opponent have the effect in play. So I'm just going to go pure on aesthetic and say the archives because it draws a card. But, you know, Mm -hmm. it seems like the most chill and kickback room. And that's kind of like where I want to be. What about you, Victor?
0: Well, actually, I haven't yet taken my D&D group to the Undercity. So I'm going to have to wait until we've been there to answer this question. So I'll get back to you whenever that happens. All right, all right. That's fair. So, second question, closer to where I'm sitting right now, which is the best beverage to consume while playing Legacy?
2: Well, some kind of beer usually is is like if you don't have a, a car to drive home after the Legacy event, it's always nice to grab a beer. Sometimes you want to wait and see how it goes. <laughs> to like uh, <laughs> maybe you go like the the zero two beer, or maybe you go like. You buy a beer at once and hope that it will help a little bit of the creativity and gameplay. I'm going
0: to paraphrase Kate Hudson from the fantastic movie Almost Famous here. I can recommend the director's cut, by the way. Which kind of beer?
2: I enjoy a lager or some sort of ale, not a vice beer and not a stout for me. Right.
0: What about you, Christopher?
1: This is a two-parter. If it's, you know, The weekend. Then my beverage of choice is coffee to do go with my Legacy because I usually play Legacy midday, evening, and having that a warm cup of coffee when you're playing during the weekend, among with other things, you know, maybe a small whiskey or something is really nice. But when it comes to our weeklies, an IPA is is my beverage of choice and uh, you Victor
0: yeah I'm very close to you here I'm, I'm sitting on a double IPA right now which uh, would go really well with legacy both at home and at the LGS but I think my number one preference is and this is gonna sound like I've just watched too much to Westworld but I am very partial to McAllen whiskey and uh, I was way before uh, I did watch Westworld <laughs> Are you the the man in black
1: or do you see yourself as one of the one of the bots you ask your, you know, the, oh, maybe these are spoilers for people that hasn't seen it's it. Okay maybe just, it's
0: okay to spoil Westworld by now. I think it's been, uh, it's been yeah, a while. Yeah. It's been canceled. <laughs> <laughs> this
1: is true. Maybe you asked some of the people upstairs, like the engineers to like tweak your magic skills up to 14 out of 10 and <laughs> just go ham with reanimator all night.
0: I think, of course, I want to be the robber, whatever his name is, with his cool sort of uh, backstrap, short rifle, whatever that is. But I am, of course, uh, the writer. So, which Magic the Gathering sets have the coolest, respectively, the dorkiest symbol? I'm gonna start off with the dorkiest, and for me
1: this is... Like the whole Amonquette block, but more specifically Hour of Devastation, which is like Nicol Bolas's horns. I'm like, when I see it, it's like the monument of Nickel Bolas's horns, and I just cringe whenever I see it. And the Amonket is just like a, a pyramid, and it's like nerds. But when it comes to the coolest, it's a tie for me between actually the new kamigawa neon dynasty which i really enjoy or the cogs of ursa saga what about you robin i was gonna
2: say the cogs of ursa saga as well and i also like the vial or the bottle of uh, one of the other saga blocks destiny yeah destiny right i like those very much i think they are quite early in the an early set where they started to make symbol uh, golden for rares and they look really beautiful like there's a saga block rares in my opinion
1: yeah i think it was only exodus prior to
2: that right and those are pretty cool as well i don't know about the dorkiest but i'm not a fan of some of the time shifted purple logo it's something about the color that just i don't like in that specific place on a magic card
1: (laughs) it looks like a printing error
2: yeah a little bit like that so that's why i have been also like uh, having a bit of a problem with some of the like new old border cards because all of them have that purple logo which i don't like what about you victor
0: i mean for the coolest one the best one it's a tie for me between antiquities and innistrad first set in in 2011 because i think both of them very much capture the essence of these sets. Miradin Besiege gets honorable mention here as well, I would say. Yeah,
1: Miradin Besiege is a banger. What uh, is
2: in Innistrad again? How is that?
1: Is that like the,
0: a jester's cap, or what is that? You can enter a jester's cap, a W for werewolf. It could be lots of different things. Heads of devils. It, it's very interpretive. And it's funny because I, I like Mirrodin Besieged, even though it's a combination symbol like it has both the phyrexian symbol and uh, sort of some kind of mirrodon type of uh, iconography because my least favorite ones are all the combined symbols of the sort of dragon's maze war of the spark when you sort of combine the weird ravnica symbols and and try to make that sort of into one symbol it's just it's always looked kind of iffy for me so those would be my least favorite ones. But again, antiquities and Innistrad I think captures more than any other set the essence of what's in the sets.
1: When you see a logo, do you have like a strong association with a certain card? When you see like the Innistrad logo, do you think oh that's uh, Liliana of the Veil, vale, or do you what card pops pops into your head when you see Innistrad?
0: I think the only card that pops into my head is Invisible Stalker because. It was such a mega marquee card for limited but also it's a card that captures so much of the aesthetics of Innistrad the the clothes that this invisible person is wearing the fact that they are invisible a whole that whole genre of universe building on on mythology that the first Innistrad block tapped so well into gothic art and the returns to Innistrad really did not follow up too well on that i mean because the first Innistrad block had cards like endless ranks of the dead like come on it's just amazing it had all the all the best zombies from from magic gathering was the industrial avacyn restored the coolest the coolest human ever printed also in snapcast image Indeed. Uh, do you Get mean, out of here, in save time. You mean, you mean, you mean uh, Thalia, uh, <laughs> Guardian of It was the coolest human from that block. But
2: it's funny that we have uh, one favorite human each.
1: <laughs> the reason why I bring this up is whenever I see the Innistrad logo, I don't know, I'm so damaged, but when I see it, I think Stormcrowk no- Noble, which is a red oh, one right. yeah. And yeah. it's so weird. Like uh, Whenever I see it, I'm like, oh yeah, Stonecrowk uh, Noble and... Uh, mayor of avabrook and none of these cards like i i haven't really played those but i've played like liliana snapcaster you know all of those things but it's not what pops into my head
2: it's funny i think i played uh, mostly delver and and snapcaster but uh, i also think of liliana only liliana when i see that symbol
0: next question what music is best for brewing christopher you're gonna have to start here because you are the brew Apothecary master of this gold game show here
1: well for me i usually go for either math rock which is just like stupid stupidly complicated music like melodies and weird rhythms or uh, some something heavy like uh, hardcore punk or metalcore sometimes you know death and stuff like that but you know sometimes i like to spice it up and then i just put some nice pop on what about you guys
0: do you listen to music when you brew i'm more of a podcast guy when i brew i like to multitask get all my legacy legacy fix and a combined kind of a synergy creating atmosphere at my desk then again, I don't brew much. That should also be said here.
2: I have a favorite game-related song, which is Orion, Metallica song from the Master Puppet. I think that's the last last song. No, no second, second to last. Second to last, right. And it's, a, it's an instrumental song that is... It's like a locomotive, just going on. Works well with my brain, how it functions when I'm in a, in a brewing mode. So that's
0: what I like. All aboard. <laughs>
2: shoo, shoo, let's go. <laughs>
0: And speaking of music, which song from the last year, 2022, was your favorite? Robin, back to you.
2: I actually uh, listened uh, mostly, you know, you get that Spotify, (laughs) your year on Spotify. I actually listened mostly to uh, a Swedish uh, singer called Jonathan Johansson. He's from Malmo this year. So uh, one of his songs, I think. What about you, Victor?
0: For me... 2022 wasn't a very strong music year. I listened to a lot of good music and I discovered a lot of music that was from 2021 or earlier. <laughs> but I must say uh, I was surprised by how coherent Zeit from uh, Rammstein was as an album. I mean Rammstein have of course always been a, a very artsy art project hiding behind non-artsy German metal industry heads i guess then again of course it's always been a conscious project it's it's interesting like what they do i think it resonates with many things that i enjoy but i was glad to to listen to that record and realize that they are still within their genre and within their concept evolving as a band and off of that album depends on the mood really i like quite a few songs but the one favorite song if i have to choose one i think is going to be angst from the album what about you christopher
1: I think uh, angst is kind of funny. I think it's a Danish invention, the word and the meaning of angst uh, from Kekegaard. Anyways, my favorite song is a song that two friends wrote. They wrote the music to my wife's video game that they released this year, Metal Hellsinger. They are called Two Feathers and they wrote a song called Silent No More with uh, the singer from Refused and Invisen. Which is called... Uh, he's called the Dennis Luxen. And I think it's a real banger.
2: Cool. I haven't heard that one. But I listened a lot to Dennis and refused back in the day. So I should check it out.
0: So speaking of favorites. Uh, what card from 2022 was your favorite? I'm going to go first here. And I'm going to say Buseju Who endures. I think that was a really good card. Like it's... It does what it does really well, not overpowered as a lot of people sort of thought at first, like this will destroy everything, but really fits in the deck where it's played in a in a way that I think makes a lot of sense also it's a tree with a personality, and I like that
2: yeah, that's a nice reason it
0: like it did
1: endure like mm. it's uh, it's in both sets. Yeah, <laughs> Like both iterations of Kamigawa.
2: Yeah, it's a really nice card. I like it a lot as well. And I think it's it's on the like the perfect power level. Another card that I think is on the right spot is Minsk and Boo. Some people are maybe tired of that card by now. But it has these little things in how it is worded that makes it not as strong as it could have been. It can be bolted with a Minsk trigger on the Boo trigger on the stack. It can only pump... A creature with haste or trample so that gives it a little less power and it can be checked by caracas and uh, you can only fling and draw cards if it's specifically a hamster that you're flinging so i think it's uh, it has a lot of uh, small things that makes it not too strong and that makes it a very good planeswalker in my opinion
1: yeah i, I think so like it's a super cool card for sure so obviously leyline binding because it solved legacy <laughs> oh, <laughs> salvation if we would just ignore the all of the commander products i think 2022 was such a slam dunk for legacy power level wise like i thought the power level was really well balanced we have shieldred uh, which is like such a cool cool mm, design now we got Arcane Proxy, Ledger Shredder, a lot of, like you said, Buseju. like we've had so many slam dunks. For me, the number one pick is uh, Fable of the Mirror Breaker, and it's very shortly followed by Hiretsugu. I love the enchantments, and like, I think Kamigawa overall was just
0: such a crazy cool and good set. So yeah, Fable. Also, Kamigawa brought us, as we've discussed during the last year, excellent basic land art, both in the sort of regular set and the full arts and everything. It was so good. Like big chef's kiss. bit of a broader question here have non-magic related skills helped you in magic and or vice versa i.e has magic skills helped you in your non-magic life if there is such a thing christopher what do you say i do believe that uh, magic skills
1: have helped me in my studies at kth in certain ways like when it comes to certain things in physics like uh, like uh, what's the word, uh, momentum and stuff like that. You can just see it as a big creature would trample, like how much gets through. That's the momentum and the direction shift. And more importantly, I'm doing a lot of programming. And uh, when you end up in a in a loop, when you're writing code, nothing happens. It gets stuck and eventually it will crash. I kind of imagine it like you're comboing off with like uh, four horsemen or some Aluren thing. But you don't have a wink on, and you're not progressing. You're just completely like, yeah, you're just looping on. So then I'm like, okay, so what do I need to do to stop this loop somehow? Like World War Dragon and stuff like that. With things like that, it has definitely helped. And also, in programming, there's a lot of stack-based programming when you're writing certain certain functions and then you resolve the stack when it has looped through a certain function and when we did that part i was like oh i i know exactly how the stack works (laughs) due to magic and it was exactly like that and that was very satisfying
2: and also like if you have a huge stack uh, with a difficult problem to resolve you just take a mind break trap and solve it
1: yeah yeah easy peasy alt f4 (laughs) (laughs) perfect so uh, victor (laughs) do you have an answer to this
0: I do. I mean, for me, it's a profound thing. But if I hadn't started playing Magic in 1996 or whatever that was, I mean, I would never have discovered a broader part of the the larger nerd culture that I've always been part of, uh, sort of aside from playing Super Nintendo and reading fantasy novels, uh, which sort of those predate my... (laughs) by playing magic but without magic I would never have started going to conventions I wouldn't have started going into the cities sort of by myself to play with people which is where I made my first friends sort of you know would come to their place on the other side of town stay there for weekends just playing games watching movies cooking pasta and eventually sort of that grew when we got a bit older into also organizing parties meeting people to kiss and hug etc so yeah no magic for me is a key moment in sort of defining how i live my life so for me it's very personal and on the other sort of direction to magic i've brought my i would say profound organizational skills i used to be a judge organize tournaments making sure things run smoothly making sure people are having a good time it's a lot of sort of what I'm about. I mean, organizing draft events at my place, starting up this podcast, I'm trying to sort of use those, I guess, professional skills to to give back to the community as much as I can, and I think I'm, I'm doing a good job. So yeah, magic is very important in in various aspects of my life.
2: Yeah, and for me, it's it's similar. Of course, magic is a, a big part of my life and identity and all, all of that. So of course, it has, has a huge impact. And I think that. I like to do the same things in my free time as I like to do at work. I I like analysis and strategy and that kind of stuff, and that's what I try to do at work as much as possible. And I try to do that on my free time, <laughs> playing magic as much as possible as well. So it it fits right in, and I think there's a, a connection between like uh, real life problems or like things that you try to work out and then having like an outlet in in the evening or in your spare time where you like get your mind to work on on other things i think there's a an exchange there where it gives strength to your to your brain functioning and working in in other areas there's a there's definitely an exchange between non-magic things and magic things
0: so broadening out even further Talking about infinitely sized things. Which is your favorite fictional universe? Christopher? I'm gonna send this back
1: to you first because I got a mini quiz on mine. Oh, oh of course, you always <laughs> have a
0: mini quiz. <laughs> Victor, what's your favorite fictional universe? It's a hard question. I have the two, the ones I enjoy mostly currently is one. The world that Matthew Mercer and others have built for uh, the Dungeons & Dragons show Critical Role which is on their seventh or eighth year now, third campaign, doing their weekly its voice actors playing Dungeons & Dragons and Matthew Mercer is this uh, Dungeon Master for the group who is just, together with others of course, but he's the main force here, a magnificent world builder. And it's sort of a world you want to play in yourself. Also, and this has sort of... I always sort of knew this. I felt this coming on strong when The Mandalorian was released. But this year when Andor came out, it really shows the strength in the Star Wars universe. Because as we discussed briefly pre-show, in Andor there is there are no Sith, no lightsabers, no Jedi appearing. It's just the universe of this galactic fascist state and what happens and occurs in in that context and there are so many stories to tell from that universe and they all feel related to the universe and they all feel connected to that universe i mean there's one thing of sort of i mean what a couple of the sort of later star wars shows have done i think is you know whenever they go outside the skywalker saga it becomes automatically more interesting because Then the driving force is the universe and which stories and what logic could exist within it. And I think the plethora of things that are coming out from that shows that this universe is indeed rich. So yeah, not the most sort of indie answer perhaps, but I really do. Uh, I, I surrender to the Star Wars universe currently. I just think it's amazing.
2: And I, I really like uh, what you said there that I completely agree that when you like when you learn about like a made up universe or <laughs> fictional universe, you want to experience it in that everyday context. Like that is that is how you get to know the universe best, not in like the heroic stories or like the, the large uh, scale conflicts uh, like those are often not very interesting it's like the how how is the everyday life affected by this universe and I think a lot of shows are good at uh, telling this story in the beginning where like you learn about the characters and you learn about the, the universe and and it's it's really interesting to sort of explore the universe but then a lot of stories always take this grandeur Proportions, which so often for me takes away a lot of the magic in it. It sounds like Andor is a show for me. I haven't seen it yet, but experiencing work life or <laughs> you know everyday life in the Star Wars world sounds really interesting.
1: Yeah, it's it's magnificent.
2: Like I I got in touch with like fantasy and uh, fictional words for the first time via J.R.R. Tolkien, of course. So that is like forever to me like the original escape world where you can fantasy or fantasize about a different life with different stories and different things but like that I think that that story is also mostly interesting in the beginning when you learn about all the intricacies and all the like the lore and all of that before like all of the wars start. Then it's a less interesting story in
0: my opinion. Throwback to us arguing about the the Witch King of Angmar in I don't know episode eleven or something. Right, right. <laughs> the number
1: one soy boy.
2: What about you, Christopher?
0: Before
1: we get into the quiz, I'm gonna shout out two universes that I really enjoy, and one is the John Wick universe. Mm-hmm. Mm. Which right. is uh, kind of like uh, our day to day, but it has super cool underground, and uh, you know, it's I, I really think it's very charming and nice. The second one is the Avatar Last Airbender universe, which is also extremely well made. Robin kind of snatched my first question because mm-hmm. I'm gonna say the name of the universe, and I want you to shout your name and uh, then answer. But the first one was Middle Earth. So I guess that will perhaps skip that, which is my third favorite. The second one.
0: Are you ready? More than ever. Hyrule. Oh, this is uh, Zelda. Zelda.
1: Oh, it's very good, very good. And number one, my favorite universe, Sanctuary.
0: Oh, Diablo. Yeah.
1: Oh. <laughs> Points to Victor.
2: <laughs> All right. I- I've
1: been there. <laughs> Love the Diablo universe and Sanctuary. Like, especially in the second game, it's just... Like all of the cutscenes and everything is just magnificent. I love it.
2: Yeah, Sanctuary is my favorite place as well in in Diablo Two.
1: Oh, you mean like Sanctuary? Sanctuary, yes. like the place. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. The whole the whole universe is called Sanctuary also. But I I think it's uh, super cool. Uh,
0: yeah, I think what Sanctuary does is because um, an error that that often happens on these ground ground schemes is that there is just too much lore. When you have these, because Sanctuary, of course, has sort of heaven and hell, like it's 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 a massive scale universe that you as a reader will know of. But it works because it's somehow, I think they keep it together. Sort of the opposite of that would be sort of not keeping it together, which is like, you know, World of Warcraft or Warhammer 40k or these sort of humongous universe constructs that it's just too many inconsistencies too many weird time travel things just too many side quests going on at the same time for things to sort of be cohesive and i think sanctuary is cohesive it's very compact
1: like uh, yeah, like you mentioned, it's very compact, very streamlined.
0: Even though it's super big.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: Right. I just uh, thought of another <laughs> world that I like a lot, and that the one from the series and the book, of course, uh, expands. I was uh, thinking. It's it's about our world, but in this future, Mars and uh, some other planets is, are also colonized, and they are like divided in fractions and all of that, and it's pretty cool. Okay.
0: Second to last question. What gadget do you hope to be able to acquire in 2023? Christopher. I'm going to go
1: with a cop-out answer and say I'm going to get them all and become inspector gadget. But uh, besides that, I'm probably just uh, looking to, you know, gather whatever. Like it's a very hard, very hard thing to, to think about, you know, uh, when it comes to acquiring things as a student. I guess that sleep is a gadget I really want to acquire in 2023. So uh, yeah, it's a bad answer, but it's what you get. What about you, Victor?
0: I have two, two, two answers to this question. One is that if it, as the rumors has it, will be sort of produced and sold, a smaller version of the PlayStation 5 would be nice. Uh, something I could actually fit in my home. Because the PlayStation 5, as it looks right now, is just too big to be allowed. Yeah, it's pretty big. Like, where do you put it? I don't understand. Like, What does a shelf look like where it doesn't look super awkward and odd?
1: I'll send you a picture. It fits really nicely there. But yeah, a smaller one would be preferable.
0: And also I would like to have sort of stuff to make one of the rooms fitted for uh, studio recording. So sort of, you know, isolation points on the walls, some heavy mats, a couple of boom arms, so that i could do podcasting with guests live that would be cool yeah
2: that would be awesome we should one one time we should record <laughs> uh, live and that would be cool yeah yeah,
0: yeah that's actually this is the, that's the, the the newest solution from this podcast because we are of course recording online we're going to do a, a live re, live tape recording in the room sometime in the coming year
1: i i just uh i i thought of something The a gadget i want to acquire actually uh so i'm gonna erase my cop-out answer and say a chess clock i want the chess clock
2: for playing chess or for playing magic online uh, style when you're playing
1: for playing chess but also maybe just bring it out if my opponent is taking too long i can just show him the chess (laughs) clock i'll bring it with me to my lgs look
0: what i brought
1: i'm just gonna put this on the table here and get disqualified get a fat warning.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I am actually thinking about buying a new guitar, acoustic guitar. I was at my daddy's place during New Year's and they have a really nice guitar. I'm thinking about getting one of my own and maybe traveling my old acoustic guitar to the summer house and keeping it there.
1: Like nylon... Nylon or steel string?
2: So the one that I have is nylon, and I always liked nylon, but I think I'm ready to advance to steel
0: now. So this feeds into the the last question, because the last question is, which Legacy event will be top priority for you in the coming year? And of course, I'm seeing us in a car with Robin in the backseat, plucking at his metal string guitar, singing softly for us while we cross the country at the allowed maximum speed so where are we going which is the top priority event
2: for me we're going to borås i think it was a blast last time and uh, i was really sad not being able to go to the swedish nationals this year and it will be my highest priority to try to make that work next uh, not next year this year
1: yeah i'm gonna give the same answer going to the nationals is uh, my my top priority event but also if school allows it maybe go to one of the international events depending on how my budget looks
0: yeah i'm gonna copy paste your answer christopher bros the nationals obviously top priority as we all missed it last year but it would be nice to fit in a trip to bologna somewhere in the in the schedule and budget to to attend the four seasons that would be really nice and that my friends is all we have for this week if you have things on your own to share about this year or the last year, how that was, uh, you can be our guest and share it in our Discord server. You can find the link in the episode description. In addition to the Discord, you can hit us up on Twitter. Uh, we are at STHLMLegacy, also personally present on some social media. Robin, where can our listeners find you? You can find me on Twitter at Jacka underscore.
1: And you can find me on Twitter at
0: MonolithMTG. And I am on the same platform as Disco Drogo. And that is the end of the 73rd episode of Stockholm Legacy Report. Thank you, Robinson Sien and Christopher Wikström. My name has been Victor Bernhardt's special thanks to you, as always, for listening. The Great Fairness has written our music. You can find more of their work on Spotify. Take care, everyone, and see you soon.